calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie. Sports fans, Dan Gianni here with Akbar Smith and our own football legend in residence, Tarrant the Smasher. Thanks, Dan. So what are we going to talk about today? As if there's any question, baseball season's almost over. And to tell you the truth, with four player strikes in the past 10 seasons, I really don't think anyone gives a damn. It's so boring. I like baseball. Like I said, no one gives a damn. Intergalactic Soccer Association season is coming up, but that's a little boring as well. Good sport, but the Sklarnup completely taken it over. There are 1,012 players in that league, and all of them are Sklarno. You can't fight speed, not in soccer. But we all know one sport that caters to all species, and that's only one week away. Nothing like finishing up Tier 1 football and rolling right into Tier 2. That's right, sports fans. We're talking Tier 2 football. The Jupiter Jacks captured the Tier 1 crown last week with a thrilling 21-20 Galaxy Bowl win over the Toe Pirates. Don't the rookies arrive in camp today? That's right, Dan. You know how I hate this system. The rookies only have one week in camp before the first game. But there is no way around that. I know there's no way around it, but it still sucks. I mean, some of these guys were playing in championship games only a few days ago. Trust me, not one of them is complaining. Sure, sure, no argument there. But take Quentin Barnes, for example, quarterback of the McCovey Raiders of the PNFL. I mean, he played in the PNFL championship only a week ago, and in seven days, he'll line up for his first Tier 2 game with the INF Krakens. That's just crazy. What makes you think he'll play it down? He'll ride the bench for the first half of the season like most of the rookies. Ah, uh, you think? The Krakens have to get someone a quarterback who can win games. Were you dropped on your head repeatedly as a child? Have you ever heard of the Kraken's quarterback? I don't know, some guy named Donald Pine? He's all washed up. He can't win the big games. He won two Galaxy Bowls. Ancient history. He has choked in every big game in the past two seasons for the Krakens. And you think some rookie is the answer? Probably not. We all know quarterbacks from the purest nation don't last. 
But Barnes probably doesn't have to do much to be better than Donald Pine is right now. You've got to be kidding me. Look at the games, will you? Last year, the Krakens went 6-3 and three and missed the playoffs with a Week 9 loss to the orbiting death. Pine throws four interceptions. He gets pulled, and the number 2 quarterback, Trey Peterson, dies four plays later. Pine goes back in and throws another interception. Okay, so that's one game. What about two seasons ago? Krakens kill eventual league champ Salah Intrigue 48-24, but they drop four games to teams with a combined record of 13-23. and All of those games were upsets. Pine couldn't win the games he was supposed to win. He's not the only guy in the field, Dan. Of course not. But look at Pine's record since he won that last Galaxy Bowl back in 26-76. You know how this game works. The blame falls on the quarterback. If it wasn't for Mitchell Fayette, the Krakens would be nothing. I played against Fayette before I retired. That is the toughest human I've ever seen. You hit him and hit him, and he just gets up and smiles. That's why they call him the machine, right? Number 47 just keeps on running. Can we get back to the subject of Donald Pine? Look, Pine is still a great quarterback, but in some games, he just flat-out chokes. So again, you're going on record saying Quentin Barnes is the answer. I didn't say that. He's a rookie, and a purest nation rookie at that. He's never been hit by key linemen. He's never faced a blitz from a quith warrior. If he lasts one season, I'll be surprised. Pine will start as usual. Pine will lose the big games as usual. And the Krakens will flail about in the middle of the pack as usual. The shuttle disengaged from the airlock and shot away from the combine. It felt cramped inside the small vehicle, which probably would have seated 12 humans comfortably. The prone form of Mumo Killui took up half the floor. The rest of the rookies took whatever seats they could find. Within minutes, they approached the touchback. It was only half the size of the Starliner that had brought him from McCovey, yet much larger than Quentin had thought it would be. Perhaps an eighth of a mile long, over half the ship consisted of a clear dome covering a full-size practice field, 100 yards long with 10-yard end zones, one painted orange, one painted black. Eighteen decks rose up all around the field, as if engineers had scooped out a large section of the ship, put down the field, then sealed everything off with the clear dome. It seemed that from every deck, one would only be a short walk from a view of the practice field. A large engine assembly sat behind the black end zone. The passenger decks, bridge, and other ship constructs were on the opposite side, behind the orange end zone. Instead of the sleek, eye-pleasing lines of a passenger liner, the touchback bore the blocky profile of a distinctly military vehicle. As the shuttle drew closer, Quentin recognized the telltale mounted spheres of weapon assemblies. Hi, one. Are those gun mounts? Yasud nodded. Looks like a converted frigate. Couldn't tell you what kind, though. I've never actually seen a warship, except in the movies. The sudden sound of rapidly tinkling bells, accompanied by the heavy fluttering of wings, erupted near their heads. Quentin instinctively ducked down to one knee, while Yasud simply turned. Shizzel hovered, resplendent in his blue and silver suit. The touchback is a converted Planetary Union Akhmet-class heavy weapons platform. 
the flying creature said, in a tone as smooth as the voiceover for an intoxicant commercial. Formerly known as the Bhagavad Rodina, a component of the famed Blue Fleet, taken by Kretorakian boarding parties in the battles of 2640. Temporarily used as a patrol craft, mothballed in 2644. Purchased by Greedock the Splithead in 2665 under special license from the Kretorakian Empire when he acquired the Ionat Krakens franchise. Quentin stood, feeling foolish for having ducked like a frightened child. The two Quith warriors stared at him, stock still saber their petty palps, which quivered in a sickening fashion. The two Sklornos, Denver and Milford, also stared at him, but seemed emotionless. He looked at Hokor and Greedock. He didn't know much about Quith leaders, but he felt quite sure they were laughing at him. What's the matter, human? Greedock asked, his petty palps quivering. Haven't spent much time around Kretorakians? Quentin felt his face flushing red. The Quith warriors weren't moving, but their petty palps quivered just like the leaders. They were all laughing at him. Don't sweat it, Yasud said. You'll get used to it. The Kretorakian civilians love the game. You'll see them all the time. I am not used to beings being frightened of me, Swizzle said. Especially one that's 30 times my mass. I'm not afraid of you, Quentin said. He just startled me, that's all. He felt eager to change the subject. I thought weapons were illegal on anything but system police vessels and Kretorakian military ships. Greedock stood and walked over, emanating confidence and control despite the fact that Quentin towered over him. I don't know what kind of news they show you in the nation, but piracy is still a major problem. The SP forces have cut it down quite a bit since they were implemented in 54, but it is still out there. Since the League started in 59, five team buses have been destroyed by pirates. That's an entire franchise. Players, coaching staff, everything instantly wiped out. Wreaks havoc on the League's schedule. So GFL ships are allowed limited defensive weaponry. Nothing that would be a match for a Kretorakian frigate, mind you, but it's usually enough to fend off pirates. The touchback loomed large outside the viewport. The shuttle banked sharply. Quentin and Yasud each had to place a hand on the bulkhead to keep their balance. Quentin noticed that the Quiths, both leaders and warriors alike, instantly adjusted their weight and barely seemed to notice the sharp bank. The shuttle slowed and docked. Quentin's ears popped as the airlock hissed open. Greedock and Hokor led the rookies out, followed by the warriors, who dragged the still unconscious Mumo Kilwi by his front arms. The airlock opened into an expansive landing bay, covered by a 50-foot-high domed ceiling. The place looked fairly empty, save for orderly rows of equipment and stacked metal crates. A handful of humans, Sklorno, Key, Quith leaders, and Quith warriors walked forward to greet the rookies. A babel of strange languages filled the landing bay. A huge, glowing hologram hung in the middle of the bay. It read, The Ionath Krakens are on a collision course with a Tier 1 berth. The only variable is time. A tall man eased out of the crowd and walked up to Quentin. Praise the High One for blessing your journey, the man said in a traditional purist greeting. Welcome. I'm Rick Warburg, tight end. Warburg extended his hand, and Quentin shook it. He hadn't expected to feel homesick, but he did, just a little, and he was surprised to feel relief at the sight of one of his countrymen. Warburg was tall, and even seven feet, and looked to weigh around 365 pounds. 
He had curly, deep black hair, light brown skin, and the infinity forehead tattoo of a confirmed church member. Quentin Barnes, praise to the High One for bringing us together, Quentin said, in the traditional answer to Warburg's welcome. Warburg was nothing short of a national hero to the purest nation. He was one of 29 purest players among the top two tiers, and all of them were quite famous within nation space. When Quentin had been a child, 20-odd purest nation players in the league sounded like a lot. Other than reporting scores, the only feature stories and highlights broadcast over the government network concerned nation players, so Quentin had thought his purest nation heroes ruled the GFL. The truth, however, was that with 76 teams, each with a roster of 53, there were 4,028 players in the league. That meant the purest nation players took up less than 1% of league roster spots. It's good to see a national light here, Warburg said with a warm grin. These sub-races can challenge the will of any man. Uh Uh-oh, here we go again with the sub-races chat. A smiling, six-foot-six, blue-skinned human pushed through the crowd and extended his hand to Quentin. Despite the nation's limited GFL coverage, Quentin had no problem recognizing the man. Donald Pine, quarterback for the GFL champion Jupiter Jacks in 75 and 76. Quentin found himself caught between a burst of hero worship and a sense of revulsion at touching blue skin. But that wasn't who he was anymore. He shook Pine's hand. Pine smiled, his teeth a sharply white contrast against his blue skin and darker blue lips. Warburg, you got such a friendly outlook on things. The truth should never be blurred over, eh, Pine? Warburg said. He was also smiling, but there was nothing happy about it. You were born this way. You know I don't hold it against you. Pine laughed. Well, let's just hope Quentin doesn't hold it against me either. I see he's not wearing forehead makeup, so maybe he doesn't think quite like you, eh? Warburg's smile disappeared. I've told you before, Blue Boy, it's not makeup. It's a holy mark. Oh, yeah, that's right, Pine said. Yeah, yeah, you did tell me that. So sorry, your holy holiness. Warburg nodded, his features melting into a dark, dangerous scowl. One of these days, blue boy, you won't be the starter anymore. Warburg tilted his head to indicate Quentin. And that's going to happen sooner than you think. And when it does, you and I are going to settle up. Quentin, I'll see you at dinner. Warburg walked away. Charming fellow, Pine said. Not entirely indicative of all the nationalites I've met, but not far from it either. He's confirmed, Quentin said. Not sure if Pine's comments were a slam on Warburg or on all nationalites. Confirmed church members are rather set in their ways. Pine nodded. And I see that you're not confirmed. Does that mean you've got that ever-so-rare purest nation resource known as an open mind? Quentin shrugged. I'm set in my ways, too. They might not be the same ways as Warburg. Well, that's a start, Pine said with a smile. It's my duty to show you around the ship and get you ready for practice, give you any help you might need. As a teenager, Quentin had idolized Pine, watching pirated broadcasts of the Jupiter Jacks games, marveling in the man's effortless skill. All Pine needed was enough time, and he could dissect any secondary. But that was in the mid-70s. Recently, Pine Star had fallen and fallen fast. After three straight losing seasons, 
the Jacks traded Pine to the Board Brigands in 2680. He lasted only one season there before the Krakens picked him up, hoping he would lead them back to Tier 1. The Krakens were still hoping. Considering they had picked up a certain Quentin Barnes, that hope no longer seemed to hinge solely on Donald Pine. I don't need any help, Quentin said. I've learned to figure things out for myself. Pine's smile faded, just a little, then returned as he shrugged. He waved another man over. Suit yourself. Let me introduce you to another Krakens quarterback, Yitzhak Goldman. Yitzhak stepped forward and shook Quentin's hand. At six foot four, he was very short for a quarterback. He had the bleach-white skin of a Tower Republic native of the planet Fortress, along with equally white hair and eyebrows. The only things of any color were his deep black eyes. The irises were just as black as the pupils, giving the man an eerie, haunting stare. Welcome aboard, Yitzhak said. Quentin simply nodded. He'd seen Yitzhak play last year, when Pine was out two weeks for knee replacement. Quentin had been less than impressed. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Through the flurry of meet-and-greet, a strange creature crawled forward. Quentin couldn't help but take a step back. He'd never seen the like before. It resembled a quith leader, or warrior, or at four feet tall, maybe something in between. It only had one eye, which was much smaller than a leader's or a warrior's. The creature's pedipalps were long, almost three feet long, and so thick they seemed like human arms. It smelled like onions. The creature reached out with one of the pedipalps and gently tried to take Quentin's bag. Quentin turned his shoulder, pulling the bag slightly away. The demonic-looking creature made his skin crawl, but he concentrated on staying his ground, dead set against repeating the embarrassment he'd felt when he'd hit the deck at the sound of Swizzle's flapping wings. What's the matter? Pine asked. Pilkey here will take your bag for you. Pilkey? Quentin said. 
never taking his eyes off the creature. It's okay, Quentin, Yitzhak said. You look so tense. Quentin looked at Yitzhak, then at Pine, then lifted the bag strap off his shoulder and set it down on the deck. Without a sound, Pilkey grabbed the bag and walked toward a door at the edge of the landing bay. Pine laughed. (laughs) You okay, boy? You act like you ain't ever seen a quith worker before. Quentin shrugged. I haven't. Pine and Yitzhak laughed, then stopped when they realized that Quentin wasn't kidding. Sorry about that, Quentin, Pine said, clapping Quentin on the shoulder. I forgot you're fresh off the purest nation. Come on, we got a position meeting in 20 minutes. Hokor handles the quarterback meetings, and trust me, you do not want to be late. Uh, so, are there any other kinds of quith? I'm getting kind of tired of surprises. Just the females, Yitzhak said. But there's none of those on board. Females are sacred in quith culture. No non-quith are even supposed to lay eyes on them. Females never leave the home planets. Can we see the field? Quentin asked. Pine nodded. Right this way, kid. A central tunnel, large enough for heavy equipment, ran from the flight deck all the way to the other end of the ship. The tunnel, with its arched ceiling and curved walls, acted like a main highway. Every 30 feet or so, smaller tunnels branched off at right angles, leading into the ship's numerous sections. Quentin followed Pine straight down the main tunnel until it opened up into the huge space that was the Kraken's practice field. The clear dome revealed the black expanse of space. Thousands of bright sparks glittered, the stars of the Milky Way galaxy. Ten yards or so past the end zones and sidelines, the ship's decks rose up 18 levels high. They walked onto the field, entering at the orange end zone. The surface had some give and felt a lot like the Carsenji grass that covered most Purist Nation fields, but he could tell this was artificial. Hundreds of flat, circular white creatures, each the size of a pancake, moved around on the field. They moved slowly, but quickly scooted out of the way of approaching feet. I think you guys need to call an exterminator or something. Those are clippers, Yitzhak said. This is nanograss, self-replicating mechanical cells that grow constantly to give us a good practice surface. The clippers are little robots that keep the nanograss at a constant height. They ever get underfoot? Yitzhak shook his head. Nah, they steer clear of anything that moves. As they walked past the 50-yard line, Quentin noticed that the white discs cleared out in front of them, then closed in behind as the humans passed by. He looked around, trying to take it all in. This was where his destiny would start. Just past the black end zone, the three men stepped aboard a lift. Pine pressed a button, and the lift rose swiftly to deck 18. Quentin followed Pine down the hall. The orange walls complemented the white and black carpet. Most of the diverse furnishings, two seats each for the varying body styles of Quith, Key, Sklorno, and Human, were also done in orange and black. The high ceiling allowed human and Sklorno alike to pass in comfort. Holo frames covered the walls, showing great players from the 23-year history of the Ionath Krakens. Most holo frames, of course, depicted players or scenes from the Krakens Tier 1 Championship of 2665. That had been the franchise's heyday, back when quarterback Bobby Orbital Assault Aronic put together three fantastic seasons, culminating in the 65 title, a 23-21 thriller over the Wabash Wall. 
After that game, Aronik died in a bar fight under conditions most called suspicious. Kraken's fans blamed Wabash supporters or possibly even the Wabash owner herself. Gloria Ogawa, who had founded the wall in the GFL's inaugural season of 2659, was a known gangland figure in the Tower Republic and had not taken the loss well. This deck holds Kraken's corporate offices, Pine said. Communications with the league, archive and marketing, network relations, stuff like that. Pine looked at the famous holo frame of the smiling Aronic, held aloft by two key linemen, raising the championship trophy high in one hand. That what you're going to be, kid? The next Aronic? The future of this franchise? Quentin shrugged. He'd never seen Aronic play. Sometimes you could score pirated games on McCovey or in Buddha City, but for the most part, the old historical GFL stuff just wasn't available. Pine grinned, looked at Quentin, and continued down the hall. Yep, you could be the savior. What are you, kid? 21? 22? 19, Quentin said. Pine's eyebrows rose up. He looked at Yitzhak, who let out a low whistle and shook his head. 19, Pine said. Kid, you play your cards right. You could have a great career in front of you. Of course, that's what the press said about Timmy Hammersmith in 2678, Yitzhak said. And Crane McSweeney in 2680, after Hammersmith washed out in just two years. Pine smiled and nodded, looking at Quentin the whole time. Yeah, that's right. But McSweeney didn't last much longer. He might have developed into something big if he hadn't died in the season opener against the wall crawlers in 2680. Rookie QBs just don't seem to fare too well around here. It seems veterans don't fare too well either, Quentin said. He wasn't going to put up with this rookie bull. He was no normal rookie, something they would all find out soon enough. They brought you in to finish the 2680 season, didn't they, Pine? Two seasons at the helm, and the Krakens are still in tier two. Yitzhak stopped and turned to face Quentin. Hey now, you better watch yourself, rookie. You don't... Pine held up his left hand to stop Yitzhak, cutting the shorter man off in mid-sentence. Pine's smile was no longer friendly, but that of someone who looks down on another. That's a good point, Quentin, Pine said. He held up his right hand. On his ring and index finger were two thick golden rings, each set with dozens of sparkling rubies. Championship rings from 2675 and 2676. At the sight of the rings, Quentin felt his soul royal with pure envy, greed, and flat-out desire. You can have all the good points you want, rookie, Pine said. But until you prove it out on the field, it's all talk. Until you got one of these? Pine wiggled his fingers, letting the rubies catch the hall's light. I suggest you keep those good points to yourself. Quentin smiled graciously, flourished, and gave a half bow. Whatever you say, Pops. Pine's smile briefly faded to a glare, then he continued down the hall. Quentin felt the competitive fire building inside his brain. He couldn't wait to get out on the field. He was the future of the Krakens, not this washed-up has-been. He'd learn what he could from this old man in the next week before the old man got used to his new position of bench warmer. They turned into a large room, about 50 yards in diameter, with the clear dome open to the star-speckled blackness of space. The floor consisted of a silvery grid of small hexes, each only a centimeter or so wide. 
Just inside the door sat a long rack of footballs, built on a tilt so the balls would roll down and stop at a catch at the end. What is this? Quentin bounced on his toes, feeling the hexes give slightly under his feet. This is the sim room, Pine said. State-of-the-art football technology. He walked to the end of the rack and picked up a football. The other footballs rolled down the rack to fill the space. The Kriegs Ballack Virtual Practice System, Yitzhak said. Greedock had it installed during the offseason. Ship, Pine called. Grontak Stadium, night game. The clear dome shimmered with flashes of blue and silver. Then it was gone, instantly replaced by a bright purple sky arching over a massive stadium. The room's sound went from echoing silence to the sudden cacophony of 165,000 fans, mostly quith, screeching in their spine-rippling equivalent of a human cheer. Quentin spun around, suddenly disoriented by the purple sky, the thousands of fans swinging black, teal, and white banners and flags, the steady, subdued roar of a crowd waiting between plays. A blazing sun hung almost directly overhead, and a blue moon ringed with light red hung suspended in the southern sky. It was all so real. The floor shimmered as well, and then the hexes were gone, replaced with millions of the flat blue plants that made up a quith playing field, complete with white yard markers. Kraken's first and ten, Pine said. Ball set right, split left, double hook and post. More blue and silver shimmers flashed in the air, this time only ten feet from where the three men stood. Ten players dressed in Kraken's uniforms materialized and moved to the line of scrimmage. The scurrying waddle of huge key linemen, the loping, graceful strides of three Sklona receivers, the natural gait of the human tailback and tight end. The players moved like the real thing, although they were all slightly translucent. Their uniform color seemed blurred by a slight blue haze. A computer voice echoed through the chamber. Defensive selection, please. Random. Pine said as he walked up to the line, crouched, and held the ball in front of him as though he were ready to take a snap. Another flash preceded the sudden appearance of players clad in the black, teal, and blue colors of the Glory Warpigs. Quentin's awe over the technology faded away. His strategic mind took over as he watched the holographic Warpigs players line up in a 3-4 with man-to-man coverage. Red 15! Red 15! Pine called out barking the signals so he could be heard over the crowd. Quentin felt his heart rate increase and the rush of adrenaline pump into his veins. He'd never seen anything like this. He could feel the stadium shake as the crowd's intensity increased. Hut, hut! Pine dropped back five steps, then planted and bounced a half step forward. He stood tall, looking downfield as his Scalorno receivers darted out, tightly covered by the Warpigs' defensive backs. Pine threw the ball a split second before the right wide receiver suddenly cut back toward the line, a timing pattern. The receiver raised her long arms to catch the ball and went right through the hologram, skipping and rolling down the field. The players vanished, although the crowd and the crowd noise remained. Pass complete. A gain of six yards, second and four. Pine walked back to Quentin, who couldn't stop himself from constantly looking around. What do you think, rookie? This is incredible. Is this where we practice? Pine shook his head. No, we practice on the main field, but this is where you do your position work and drill for each week's game. 
This way, you can practice sets over and over against holographs that are just as fast as the opposition's defensive backs. Practice squad players aren't as much of a challenge. Can I give it a try? Pine grabbed a football and tossed it to Quentin. Be my guess. Let me set it up for you. It's second four. What do you want to run? Quentin smiled. I want to go deep. Pine smiled, that condescending smile again, and nodded. All right. Wide set, snake package, double post. On two. Defense, cover two with woman to woman under. You mean man to man, right? This Glornos are females, remember? Woman to woman. There you go, kid. I made it easy for you. The players materialized and ran to the line. Quentin walked forward, eyes wide with wonder. He crouched below the center as his eyes scanned the defense. The reality was such that he recognized Warburg at tight end, Scarborough at wide receiver, Haywick in the slot two yards in and one yard back from Scarborough. He didn't bother to look, but he knew a lifelike image of number 44, tailback Mitchell Fayed, would be right behind him. Hi, hi! The line surged forward. It sounded similar to a real line crash, but it was a bit stale and echoey. Quentin dropped back five steps, planted, and eased into his stand-up, ball at the ready. He watched the holo Scarborough streak down the right sideline. The man-to-man, or woman-to-woman that is, coverage quickly fell behind. Just as the safety started to pick up the route, Quentin reared back and let the ball fly. It sailed through the air in a perfect arcing spiral, a brown missile framed against a bright purple sky. The ball looked on the money, but the safety moved faster than anything Quentin had ever seen on a football field. Damn it, Quentin whispered, as the holo safety blurred in front of the holo Scarborough, leapt 12 feet into the air, and reached for the ball. The ball continued down the field, bouncing off the flat leaves, but Quentin didn't need the computer to tell him the results. Pass intercepted. Why'd you guys have to rig this? Quentin said. You think that's funny? Rig it? Pine said. What are you talking about? Oh, come on, you saw how fast that safety closed. Nothing moves that fast. Pine and Yitzhak looked at each other, then started laughing. (laughs) Welcome to the GFL, Backwater, Yitzhak said. You're going to love it here. Quentin glared. If they wanted to play stupid games with them, he'd show them. Let me try that again. Why? So you can fail again? Hokor's voice caught him by surprise. He turned, an unexpected sense of trepidation in his chest, as if he were a teenage boy caught in the middle of masturbating. End simulation! The tiny quith leader marched toward Quentin as the field, the fans, the stadium, and the players vanished replaced by the clear dome and the sparkling stars. Barnes, what in the name of your primitive backwater gods was that? Hokor's fur seemed to stand on end, making him look thicker than normal. Quentin knew it was some instinctive reaction, evolutionarily designed to make Hokor look bigger, therefore more dangerous, but in reality, it just made him look fuzzy, like a stuffed animal. Still, his voice had a tone of command Quentin's previous coaches had never possessed. Or, perhaps more accurately, had never used, at least not on him. That was an interception, coach. Why did you throw it? Well, I I thought I had Scarborough on the streak. You thought? You thought? Don't you know who the Warpig safety is? 
Quentin assumed it was a rhetorical question, but Hokor seemed to wait for an answer. Quentin shrugged. Nope. Hokor's petty palps quivered with anger. You don't know who it is, but you threw the pass anyway? You didn't know the war pigs picked up Kilowang in a free agency? Kilowang? I thought he, I mean, she, played for the Hull Walkers in Tier 1. Well, now she plays for the war pigs! Hokor's furry body shook with anger. You stupid human! You don't even know who you're playing against, and you just blindly throw into coverage! Quentin smiled. Take it easy, coach. How am I supposed to know who's on what team right now? Quentin saw Pine and Yitzhak duck their heads in an effort to conceal their grins. Yitzhak hit his face in his hands and slowly shook his head. It's your job to know, Hokor said. You are a quarterback for the Ionath Krakens. We will not make it to the Tier 2 tournament and therefore back into the glory of Tier 1 if my helpless quarterbacks don't know everything there is to know about the opposition. You must be punished for this error. You will report to me after practice. And by tomorrow, you will know the defensive roster of all nine teams in the Quith Conference. By tomorrow? Come on, coach. I figured that all out on the field. Nobody knows all that stuff. Nobody except for reporters. Hokor turned to face Pine. Who is the second string free safety for the Sheb Stalkers? Fairmont, Pine answered instantly. What are her stats? Last recorded time in the 40 was a 3.2. She's 17 years old, an eight-year veteran, tends to jump the short routes and give extra space on the deep routes for passing situations. She comes in as a nickelback, but doesn't like to hit big tight ends head-on. Yitzhak, what is the strategy when playing against her? Passing situations? Send tight ends on deep outs and deep curls. She doesn't pressure the tight end enough, usually allowing for a little bit extra time to make a well-placed throw. Shouldn't go deep on her if avoidable, but put the ball up high if you must because a vertical leap at 12 feet usually can't compete with our receivers. Hokor turned back to Quentin. That is why these men have been around the league for so long. Quentin sneered. With all due respect, coach, just because you guys memorize one player doesn't mean anything. I may be young, but I wasn't born yesterday. You guys set that up just to impress me. Hokor's fur rippled, and his petty palps were a vibrating blur. Pick a player. Huh? Pick a player. Quentin felt a sinking feeling. From what team? Any team in the Quith-irradiated division. All right, okay. How about this? Uh, second string, weak side linebacker for the big diggers. Rip, Rip off, off the, the stonecutter. Stone Last recorded time of 3.9 in the 40, Pine said. Five-year veteran, the last three with the diggers, Yitzhak added. Very disciplined, Pine said. Plays excellent zone, makes excellent reads, but poor lateral movement due to leg replacement surgery in 2671. Use quick tight end out patterns, Yitzhak said. Or bring wide receivers on crossing patterns and throw when they are equal to Ripok because he can't break on the ball as fast as they can. Quentin just stared. He didn't know that much information about his own linebackers for the Raiders, let alone for another team. And these guys had ripped off the info without a second thought. Now are you impressed? Okor asked. Quentin nodded dumbly. By tomorrow, know every player on the rosters. We will work on stats and tendencies throughout this week. Let us commence with our position meeting. We are six days from the season opener against the Wu Wall Crawlers. It will take us four days to reach Ionath. 
We will practice on the touchback until we reach INAF, then shuttle down to the field facility for on-field practices. You have been listening to The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League Series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Super Weapon. Superweaponband.com. You gotta say I'm the Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.